0: Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Azure. This episode is sponsored by Solveto. Continuous learning is the driver for success, growth, and well-being. Learn or expire and keep your Azure skills up to date. Go to solvetofi slash pro. I am Tobias, and I'm back again with UC. What's up?
1: Hey, Tobias. I think I found a fun little project to work on. So obviously, I work during the day. I have hobbies. But even then, it's nice to have a something on the side. So what I did was I looked up the fitness tests, the requirements for the fitness tests, if you ever want to apply to the Finnish Police Academy. I think I'm too old, I'm never going to apply. (laughs) But I wanted to see if I would be able to do any of them. And some seem doable, a few seem not too doable for me, but I think I I can do a bit of focused training and, and and tackle them. So what I'm doing is I'm taking one fitness requirement at a time. I will train and work on that and do the test at home with the hopes of getting top scores. So you get a score between zero and five. And if you exceed or, or get the high marks, you get five points. If you fail, you get zero points. So obviously I want to get five points from each task. So the first task for me, I I think I chose the easiest one, that would be the bench press. To get max scores, you need at least 18 reps on the bench press with 65 kilos. So that's about 143 pounds, but your feet have to be up. So you cannot get the leg drive that you normally get from a bench press. So I'm, I'm trying this probably next week or this weekend. Let's see how that works out.
0: And you do eighteen reps nonstop.
1: Right? Yeah, o- yeah. Obviously, you can you can sort of do a pause when when you're bench pressing and and you're pushing up. You can keep it up, but that's exhausting as well. So you cannot get true rest in between.
0: I haven't done a bench press in perhaps fifteen years, so I don't know if I could even do one rep with sixty five kilos. I, I'm happy not knowing that. <laughs> I I will assume that I can, and then I will live in ignorance. So on my side, I actually realized that I missed spending time with building something lately because I've been spending a lot of time at work. And when not doing that, we've, you have know, had a lot with the kids and yeah, a lot going on in the family, keeping everyone happy, especially the two-year-old. Now that's leveled out a little bit. So life is kind of coming back when we can actually sleep at night again. So I revived one of my cryptocurrency projects that I started many, many years ago, and that analyzes the top 1,000 currencies cryptocurrencies, every five minutes, and then it gives trend data, signals for anomalies, spikes, predictions, and so on, based on all that data. So it's grabbing that from an API, like the current price from an API, and that's the only thing that I actually get from the API is this is the current price average on all the exchanges. I get the price, and then with that, I crunch that into my big data analytics because there there are now billion data points in that more than a billion data points that it's crunching and, and analyzing. Because imagine every five minutes you get a new ticker saying that this currency now went up or down this many percent, this is the current. And uh, you know, there's a lot of data for each and every one currency in every single request. So that's a, a pretty fun project. I'm using some parts of, of Azure to do the analytics and to store the data. I'm using Azure storage accounts for uh, storing the data distributed in a, in a pretty good model and format that I had to kind of remodel several times to make it work at scale, um, because again, there is a lot of data in there, and that's surprisingly good data that comes out of it. It's not good enough for me to rely on it yet to put my big money in there, but it's it's a fun side project to do just to see how you can run predictive analytics and like predictive algorithms, uh, things like that that can you know discover trends. And you have this for a long time with technical and um, analysis for the stock market and stuff like that. But given how quickly cryptos move, this is something that should happen pretty much every thirty seconds or five seconds or something like that. Not every five minutes, like I do. And if you can get to that point and make the system automatically purchase and sell cryptos, I'm I'm pretty confident that there is a way to make this work. Uh, but then I also googled for about 10 seconds and found that there's already 2,000 sites doing exactly what I'm trying to do. So it's still a hobby project, nothing that I will realize. But to sum that up, I realized I missed spending time with building something tangible that I can actually see the results of,
1: and I can do that with this one. So it's pretty cool. Sounds like a fun, fun side project. So today we are talking about preparing for the SC900 Microsoft Security Compliance and Identity Fundamentals Certification. Have you done this, Toby? Because I did have a look at my certificates and I've done quite a few of them. And I couldn't recall if I had done this or not. I have not done this yet. Have you?
0: I'm surprised you haven't done it because I think you are... I mean, I, we both know a lot of people in the Azure community and we know a lot of people working with Azure. And I don't think anyone I've ever met has the same amount of certifications that you do <laughs> on Azure or anything for that matter. So I'm surprised you don't have it. I also do not have it, but I do have the AC500 for security in Azure. I have the SC100 for cybersecurity architect. And uh, so I so I do have the more advanced ones in this area, but I never took this one uh, because anything fundamentals, I've just kind of seen as an obligation that you need to take for partnerships or sh- something like that, but never really took it to gain the knowledge. But I, I'm going to take it now. And I actually did book a date for, I think, next week or the week after to do this one. And in doing so, I also prepared a little bit just to take a look at what is the exam covering? What are we going to take a look at? What, what knowledge is it going to test? And and that was also a good base for, I think, this discussion so we can just highlight a little bit of what's coming for the certification, what's coming on the exam, and talk a little bit about those things. So my expectations are that I will pass with flying colors, and that means probably 701 points <laughs> out of the thousand, because you need 700. <laughs> Anything above above 700, I'm happy with. I I'm not gonna study for it, which I may or may not regret, but we'll see how that goes. If if I fail, which there is a chance that I will, then I'll just have to you know see what gaps or find the gaps in my knowledge and, and read up a little bit on that.
1: One of one, one of the challenges with these fundamentals ones are Azure fundamentals, security fundamentals, AI fundamentals, Microsoft 365 fundamentals, and a Power Platform and Dynamics 365 fundamentals. One of the problems with these are is that when you have loads of experience and you approach these fundamental exams you start overthinking the questions they ask something relatively simple and then you go yeah it could be this but if you consider this and this and this exception then no it doesn't work like that and that's where you're going to fail if you're going to fail i did the uh the azure fundamentals az 900 some years ago when i joined microsoft and they had a requirement at the time that all full-time employees have to pass at least one Uh, certification exam per fiscal year, and I I think I had everything done already, so there wasn't really anything I could do that would be even remotely useful. So I figured, yeah, let me do AZ-900, and I booked that for a lunch break. And it, it literally takes you like 14 minutes to do it, 20 questions or something like this. So yes, I haven't done this one, the SC900. But once we are done recording, I will book the slot, hopefully for tonight or tomorrow, just to do this and perhaps casually mention in a future episode how it felt. I think that's a good
0: good plan uh, and a good take. So I took a look at the audience for this, just like we we talked about for many of the other certifications that we've talked about on the podcast and also that we've talked uh, talked about between the two of us. Like who is this for? Why would you want to take it? What's the next exam you want to kind of target? What's the certificate you want to put a badge on and and put into the to the toolbox that you have? So I think this, yeah, anyone who needs to learn about the fundamentals for this area, security compliance identity, but also like stakeholders, business stakeholders, like you mentioned there, the taking this the fundamentals does not require deep understanding or deep knowledge about any of the areas it just requires you to understand what areas exist and what do they do high level same with the azure fundamentals one so i think anyone uh, coming from the outside or viewing top down you know what do we need to understand in security this might be a good one like you mentioned it like if you're doing sales if you're doing marketing if you're trying to understand the bigger picture this is a you know an awesome certification to do as always, partner companies expanding on the uh, you know cloud partner program status. If you need to achieve gold status in whatever or silver status in something, that might be on the path to that as well for certifications. So the audience, I would say anyone working security, compliance, and identity at any level, really. Because if you do target the more advanced ones, this is a good starter. Even if you already know these topics, it's good to put it in in the toolbox.
1: So, yeah. so what
0: what topics do we have on this exam?
1: So, so the topics are, are quite wide and vast, but nothing goes inherently too deep into technology. And as you said, for people working in sales, marketing, management, perhaps this is ideal. But if you already work in security, if you're an IT pro, perhaps a developer or an architect, I'm not sure you're getting much value from this because this is the absolute basics of security compliance and identity management, if you will. But looking at the topics, there's the basic concepts like what is security, what is compliance. Then there's capabilities of Azure Active Directory, perhaps touching a bit on Microsoft Entra, but not really going into any any of the more advanced workloads. Then describing the numerous different Microsoft security solutions, perhaps briefly mentioning Sentinel and how Microsoft 365 Defender capabilities map back to Azure. And then lastly, the compliance solutions, essentially Microsoft purview everything underneath that, but also some of the service trust portals and, and privacy principles that Microsoft is quite vocal about these days. So so it's, it's about four main sort of categories and each one gets about one quarter of the questions. So if you get about 20 questions in the exam, you get about five questions from Azure AD, five on security solutions, five on compliance, and five on concepts, roughly, if you will.
0: Yeah, and I I really like the spread of this one, because it it does remind me of the sc 100 that I know we both did for Mm -hmm. the cybersecurity architect one. It goes into more knowledge, you need to be more knowledgeable in how things work and how the different products do work, but it's also pretty wide like this one. So like when we talk about describing security and compliance concept in this exam, SE900, you need to understand shared responsibility model, defense in depth and what that really means, zero trust, encryption and hashing, how that works, uh, describing compliance concepts, but as you, as you hear, on each of the things I'm reading now, and, and this exists in the study guide that we'll put um, in the link in the show notes as well. Everything says, describe the capabilities of, describe the zero trust model, describe the, it doesn't say in-depth knowledge about this. It doesn't say understand how this works, or you know, be able or be proficient in using this. It just says, you need to understand the concept of what this is. So zero trust model, encryption and hashing, generally speaking, how does that work? It doesn't ask you, how does that work on this specific capability within Azure, and what type of encryption is applied for that one service or anything like that? It's more: what is encryption? What is hashing? Why do we need it? Maybe asymmetrical, maybe symmetrical. What's the difference? So very high level uh, and and very wide, but again, uh, it's called fundamentals for a reason. Um, you also have things with the identity, and I took a look at the the requirements for that, and again, super high level and pretty wide, like defining an identity as the primary security perimeter. And I think that's something we're seeing a lot in discussions, that identity is the new firewall, if you will. That's your line of protection. How do you define authentication? How do you define authorization? How do you describe the different identity providers? How do you describe Active Directory? How do you describe the concept of federation? So again, super high level, doesn't go in-depth, but it's pretty wide. So it's. It's a certification where you need to understand, like the playing field, what exists on the table, and what are the different pieces that you know builds the security landscape within Azure. Then this is an exam that will cover that. So yeah, I really like that. And uh, you also mentioned that you need to describe the capabilities of Microsoft Azure Active Directory, um, AAD, which is part of Microsoft Entra. Uh What portions of the exam is is angled towards that? Do you know?
1: There's, there's quite a bit, but again, as you said, it doesn't go too deep, but it can be a bit intimidating, especially if you haven't been working in the capacity of setting up Azure AD or configuring or monitoring or maintaining one. You need to be able to describe Azure AD, the, the high-level capabilities, describe hybrid identity, obviously implying some sort of understanding with on-premises Active Directory, but also you need to be able to describe multifactor authentication, the self-service password reset, as well as conditional access, the benefits of Azure AD roles. So, so there's a lot of small little things you need to understand, at least to a certain degree. But I wouldn't take this too seriously in the sense that if you don't know each configuration setting for let's say multi-factor authentication you're not going to fail this but you need to understand when would you use mfa what are the high level capabilities of that and and perhaps deciding when to use passwordless as opposed to when to use a more traditional mfa approach
0: yeah yeah and i like that it's it's about the decision understanding what exists and what is mfa when do i need it what is self service password reset when do i need it what is passwordless do i need it when do i need it and then we also talked about microsoft security solutions which is something where we talk about in this exam in the context of this exam it's like the basic security capabilities in azure like azure ddos protection azure firewall web application firewall network segmentation with avn or at azure virtual networks Azure Network Security Gurus, Azure Bastion and Just-in-Time Access, um, describe how Azure encrypts data. So like basic security capabilities that I think everyone is familiar with, not necessarily with the Azure related ones, but I think we all, if we work within security, we all know what a perimeter security uh, defense is. Like you you set up the perimeter, which usually includes uh, the firewalls and the DDoS protection and web app firewalls and Just-in-Time Access and all that stuff and then if if we're going to freebase and and think if this was a consultant session i would say that part of that now should be identity identity should be your first defense because if someone gets in and they have your identity well that's not good so i would add that to the list just top of mind identity is a is a strong defense but i mean we're we're taking a look in this exam and some of the things for the perimeter you also have security management capabilities which is the Cloud Security Posture Management, or CSPM. I think we mentioned that in one of our episodes previously. It also touches on, well, it, you need to be able to describe Microsoft Defender for Cloud, describe enhanced security features uh, of Microsoft Defender for Cloud, and you know describe what security baselines are for Azure. And all these things are part of like security management capabilities that you find within Azure. So again, super high level, things you need to, to understand. And I think you already mentioned Microsoft Sentinel. You need to understand what is a CM and a SOAR. You know, how does Sentinel provide integrated threat management? What is Microsoft 365 Defender? How does that fit into the picture? And, and I think that's actually a really valid point to talk about because often you hear people saying Microsoft Defender for cloud or Microsoft 365 Defender. But you need to be able to distinguish these different things. There is... Microsoft Defender, Microsoft 365 Defender services that you need to be able to describe, and Microsoft Defender for Office 365, Microsoft Defender for Endpoint, Microsoft Defender for Cloud Apps, Microsoft Defender for Identity, and and the Microsoft 365 Defender portal. So there's quite a quite a few things under the umbrella of Microsoft 365 Defender if if you think about the bigger picture. But again, you don't need to be an expert in any of this. Nobody's going to ask you in this exam. How do you configure Microsoft Defender for Endpoint to do this specific thing, or disallow or allow, you know, devices that matches or do not match this specific pattern? That's not part of the question, but uh, the question might be, if you have this situation, what product can solve the problem? Right, a so high level. You need to understand. Well, Defender for Endpoint can probably do that, or Defender for Identity, or whatever product would would fit the bill. So I I really love this exam for that for that angle because it's pretty wide. If you need to study for it, which is a, probably a good idea, you will get exposed to a lot of things in the security landscape at Microsoft and in Azure, uh, that you may or not may or may not have had exposure to previously. So I, I think again, as we've mentioned in every every time we talk about an an exam, uh, it's always the same. Even if you know everything, even if you know about a lot of things in here which I know you've worked with a lot of the security concepts that, that is mentioned in this one. I've worked with a lot of them in the field uh, as a customer to Microsoft before joining Microsoft. It doesn't mean that I know everything here. I there's, probably, like, there's a lot of things in here I maybe only know on the surface but couldn't go in depth with. And then there's some things in here that I can go very deep level with but maybe don't understand the bigger picture, how that fits in with everything else in the landscape. So I think wherever you are on your... Like cloud security journey. I think this is a good thing to put check the checkbox for and 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 get
1: to just see the bigger picture. Yeah, that's a great insight on on understanding where each of the services and capabilities stand. When would you use what? So I'm anticipating quite a bit of questions on you have a dilemma, you have a problem to solve, which capability or capabilities would you employ for this specific? Problem. And then you need to be able to understand the difference between Defender for Cloud Apps and Defender for Office 365, for example. So you need to have this rudimentary understanding of what the services are, but not how do you configure, how do you deploy, what the pricing models are and, and what the numerous capabilities are. So sort of being able to identify what's on the board, to be able to play later on if you want to continue to the more advanced security certifications. So how do you plan on studying this? Because Toby, I assume you will be taking this one someday as well, are you planning to go through the self-paced learning parts on Microsoft Learn? Are you planning to maybe flip through a couple of blog posts and Microsoft Learn documentation or something else?
0: <laughs> so this is a this is a great question, you know, and I I'm not taking on my Microsoft marketing hat here, but the Microsoft Learn modules they are awesome, they are really good, uh, and I've prior to joining Microsoft just for transparency, I used Microsoft Learn and the Learn modules a lot just to get the high level, uh, you know they're not super in depth all the time, but they do describe the things you need to know for the exam. Uh, so there's a link in the show notes where you can uh, use Microsoft to Learn for free. Um, you know, covering the Microsoft Security Compliance and Identity Fundamentals, which is SC900. And there's a couple of things part of that uh, path uh, or learning path that you can do. a Couple of modules. So those are completely free. You can do them at self-paced, and you will get the bigger picture of what you need to understand. So I will probably do that, uh, just to you know find any gaps that I might have in my knowledge. Uh, because there's there are things I don't have uh, exposure to or experience with, like records management in Purview. Have I worked with it? No, I have not. Do I understand it? Not really. I understand what the purpose is. I understand the high level, you know how, how it fits into the landscape of the other tools available, um, just as an example but there's probably a lot of things I don't know about it and um, you know and and how is that positioned and when should you use something like that so it definitely makes sense uh, for me to do that and then there's also the study exam guide uh, and I I know we highlight that for every exam that we talk about um that's pretty much just a pdf file or a web page on on the Microsoft website saying here's everything we're going to test and and that's pretty much what we just talked about, like describe this thing, describe zero trust, describe Microsoft purview, describe insider risk management, describe Azure policy, whatever. All of that is listed top down in that file. Uh, so we'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, so yes, I will take this exam. I have not done so yet, but I have scheduled it. Um, I will not study for the first attempt because I want to test my knowledge and I'm going on a res- and you know going out on a limb saying that I probably know enough to pass this, but I'm also happy to to study up if I don't pass it and if there's something that I need to cover more ground with in my, in my knowledge, which is another angle. I think uh, I saw someone posting on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever uh, a while ago that it's really good if people can be more transparent when they fail exams, not just say, hey, look at my new badge because everyone... Take a look at at their network and people are just claiming new badges right and left, you know, all the time. But nobody talked about what was required to actually get there. It always looks so simple when everyone else gets 10 new certifications in the bag and, you know, they had 500 badges for whatever. But nobody talks about how you got there. And the truth is, I mean, I've failed exams when I've tried to pass them. I don't pass every exam on the first try. Some people do. Some people don't i have passed a lot of the exams on the first try which i'm very grateful for because i worked a lot with those topics that i tested for other things i failed because i had no idea what they were actually testing me on and realized there's a big gap and i think it's good to be transparent with that to avoid like the exam shaming or certification shaming in not passing an exam not passing an exam is actually just another opportunity to gain more knowledge in areas where you discovered a gap. So I think that's also good to mention that, you know, just, just because we're talking about this and we, we want to pass it on the first attempt, doesn't mean that's going to happen. And it doesn't mean that it's anything wrong with not passing it on the first attempt either. So I think that's good to keep in mind.
1: That's a, that's a good point. And I occasionally check that out of the certification exams that I've done, how many have I failed? And I typically fail about 20% of the time, so out of 10 exams, I fail maybe two. And that's often because I did not have time to prepare. I've booked the exam, the deadline is fast approaching, but I just don't have the time. So I go in uh, a bit blind to the actual exam, and I already know when I start the exam that this is not going to end well. But at least this (laughs) is going to be a learning opportunity for myself. I did have a look at the Microsoft Learn, the the self-paced learning path. So it has all modules for the four main categories of the exam. And if you follow it religiously, go through everything that's in there, check the videos, do the assessments and whatnot. Uh, It will take you about five to six hours to complete everything. But then you will have all the knowledge to supposedly pass the exam as well. So the benefit of the self-paced content is that it's free, it doesn't cost you anything. Just go there, you will study at your own pace, you can return whenever. It will uh, keep track of your progress. And once you feel you're ready when you've completed reading all of that, you will then book the exam, but the exam itself will cost you a little bit of money. And then when you pass, you're done. If you fail, then you need to study up on those topics. Where you failed because the exam will tell you that okay out of all of these four categories your compliance solutions understanding was poor so then you know okay i need to learn more about compliance but i already know enough about the three other topics that are part of the exam all righty yeah. I, I i think that was all so check the show notes uh for the study guide because the study guide itself it's a uh, it's a pdf file it has the content, it has links to the learning path, it has uh, also links if you want to uh, purchase an instructor-led, like a classroom or, or remote training session on this one. I think it's typically half day or full day. I think I've delivered this, this one day in the past as well. I'm actually not sure because I haven't done the certification, so it could have been that I did the AZ-900 and delivered that one. But I'll definitely have a look at the content as well in hopes of maybe delivering this in the future. All righty, that was all. We have the unexpected question to wrap up the episode. And I am keeping track of this. So, Toby, it's your turn to ask me this week.
0: All right, so so here's an interesting question. <laughs> and and I, have a, I have a vague idea of what my answer would be, but I will keep that to myself right now. The unexpected question for this episode is, what two totally normal things become really weird if you do them back-to-back?
1: <laughs> That's an out-of-box thinking <laughs> question. So I I think I have two answers for this one. The The sort of boring, obvious one is that you first have coffee and then you go to bed. Because both are normal things, but you typically do not have coffee at 9 or 10 in the evening and go to bed. Some people can do that, I think, but typically you don't.
0: but but do they become really weird? They don't really yeah. you just stay awake right, but it's not really weird.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. But something that becomes really, really weird is is um, in in the Nordics, I think in Sweden as well as in Finland, it's quite typical when you get to know people that at, at some point the people will invite you to their house that let's let's do dinner let's do sauna, let's do some drinks, maybe eat something and whatnot. So if the sauna is not working, this becomes weird because <laughs> then people will invite you to have a shower at my place and then let's do <laughs> dinner. And and when you combine that with a sauna, yeah, yeah, obviously we go to the sauna, we sit in there, we we enjoy p- perhaps the scenery if we're if we are at the summer cabin next to the lake. But if the sauna doesn't work and you learn about that, then you're like, Let's do shower together. (laughs) Yeah, that becomes really, really weird, even if we do the dinner afterwards.
0: That's awesome. Hey, do you want to come over with the family? We're going to do some dinner and showering.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm like, no, that sounds awkward. But if you fit in sauna in there, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. (laughs) Alrighty. Thank you again for joining us. We'll have a fresh episode for you again next week on Wednesday. Bye-bye. See you then.